be my guest. And so there with iced water and juice and cups, it's astounding people seeing a need and getting stuck in our leadership academy coming up. So I just can't wait for the second half of the term. We've been blown away at what God's doing. We can't wait for what he has next. But today what we're going to talk at, uh, about is probably one of the topics we don't speak, in, speak often about in church circles, which is the cost of following Jesus. But I think it's a really important part that we address wherever you are on the journey of faith. So if you're exploring faith here today, very new, exploring, checking it out. The reason why it's so important for you, this topic, is because I want you to know what living as a Christ follower entails. What does it take to live as a Christ follower? Is there a cost? Do we just tick a box and then God is our genie and everything we want, he sorts for us? Or is there something else to it? Um, are there things that, that we need to stop doing or start doing, a change of focus in our lives? Uh, that's important things to consider if we're exploring faith. Or if we're Christ followers here today, maybe you were never told what you should be prepared for in following Jesus. Maybe you put your hand up for following Jesus and it hasn't turned out as you thought it would. This will really help you in actually what it means to follow Jesus. So Jesus is really clear. In Luke 14, uh, this is what he says. He said from verse 27, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? So the house that Shelton and Corolla are obviously buying, that person didn't count the cost because look at the state that it's in. Um, but I'm sure they're going to make it look great, Shelton. So well done on that. But doesn't count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when his later foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? Going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, when Jesus talks about bearing the cross, when he, when he talks about bearing it, he's speaking of the road to death. So people who are going to be executed, for those of you who don't know, the, maybe the gospel story of Jesus coming at that time, crucifixion was a primary means of execution by the Roman government for various different crimes. And so most often you would carry your execution instrument with you and so you would carry it out of town, maybe being mocked, uh, whatever else, and you would head across and then you would, that would be set in the ground and you'd be crucified, you'd be killed on that in a public execution. So Jesus uh, is talking about this, he's speaking into it, and uh, he was describing the fact that when we come to Jesus, our old way of life dies. In a sense, it dies, it leaves, it's gone, we become new creations, it must die so that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him. And the secondary reason why he uses the cross is to, to explain that it's not an easy life that you're buying into. If anyone's told you that the Christian life is, is, is one of these, they weren't telling you the truth of the gospel. There's a level of discomfort and trial that's to be expected when following Christ in an anti-Christ society. It's going to happen. And this picture is all the more powerful because Jesus was sharing it, knowing that he himself was going to be walking that journey shortly after. So he was sharing it and everyone would have been like, oh yeah, definitely, you know, pick up our cross, whatever else. But he was the only one who knew that he was going to face that in a few weeks or months time. And so the life of following Jesus is not smooth sailing. We need to count the cost. If we aren't prepared and don't have Jesus' perspective, we'll struggle in our faith. And when difficult times come, we'll turn away because we believe that we got something that we weren't um, prepared for. 
and we won't reflect Christ properly to those around us. As Jesus said, we'll be like someone who started to build a house and couldn't finish it. We won't be able to see, seek refuge in the house for ourselves or to stand strong in the midst of battle. And people will look in and go, but is Jesus really for real? Because that person's life doesn't look like what we expected it to look like. So there's a cost. But what does that cost look like? Three key ways that we experience a cost when it comes to faith. The first one is spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, uh, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Now, next term, we're going to cover a really exciting series on the supernatural. So stay tuned for that. We're going to look at things we see in Scripture that we don't talk about often. So we're going to look at angels, demons, heaven, hell, um, the miraculous. We're going to look at all of those things important that we actually have a biblical basis for that. We're going to cover it. But friends, when we decide to follow Jesus, you and I move from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. From going with the flow of society, swimming downstream, to swimming in reverse against the current. And there is a very real enemy who is dead set on preventing you from living the fulfilling life that Jesus has called you to. He wants to prevent the advance of God's kingdom at all costs. Now, for those of us who are Christ followers, we know the end of the story. Satan will be defeated for all time at the return of Christ. It's going to happen. But at the moment, we live in the place of the now and the not yet. God's kingdom is here, but it's not here in its fullness. It's not completely realized. And so we live in between. We're in a battle. But always remember that Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's a wonderful promise to hold on to. So when we sign up to follow Christ, we join a spiritual battle. Secondly, we need to make lifestyle decisions. Once you give your life to Christ, it's important that we start to line up our lives with his life. And for those of you who were with us for the start of Hope Church last year, we did an in-depth dive into the book of Colossians. Beautiful book which talks about what it means to have new life in Christ. And so if you missed that, feel free on YouTube or podcast to go back to that. But Jesus calls us to be imitators of him, ambassadors of Christ in a world. So an ambassador in a nation is someone who comes to effectively show that society what it looks like to be from that nation. The British ambassador is here. The goal of the British ambassador is to demonstrate what does it look like to live as a British person. What does British culture look like? So when he speaks of us being Christian ambassadors, it means that we're supposed to show all around us what does it look like to be a Christ follower, to be from the kingdom of heaven. Now, since the world in which we live does not naturally follow Jesus, it means that our lifestyle decisions will look very different to the majority of society, and this can be costly, and it can be hard. So we obviously, as I said, we covered this in depth, but when Christ changed us from the inside out, when we become new creations, there's a change in how we live. There's a change in what we care about. There's a change in decisions that we make, and that's not easy. We'll look at that in a short bit, because the final part that I'm going to spend most of our time on today is the area of persecution. And so we're going to do a deep dive into that now. And now Zimbabweans, except for you guys, love to travel. So the ones who aren't here are the ones who love to travel. You don't, and that's okay. Don't beat yourselves up. Not everybody likes to travel, except for Gordon and Myrna, friends of ours here. I've just met them now, but at a friend's church in England, they moved back here, and they traveled all the way from Marandera here to be with us today. So uh, uh, exactly, round of applause. Round of applause, Gordon and Myrna. A big, a big trick for you guys. Um, so great to have you with us. But Zimbabweans do love to travel on the whole. 
and I might do a show of hands short, specifically northern suburban Zimbabweans. If we have the resources, whether it's half term, this is speaking for the people not here, long public holidays or school holidays, we're off. It could be within the country, so it might be Nyanga. It could be Kariba. I think I've got some pictures up there just to get you sad and annoyed at all those people who are away right now. Um, but maybe it's raining for them. I mean, we don't pray that over them, but maybe it's raining and they're not having a good time. So I think there'll be pictures up there before I fall over that. Perf- oh, well done, Killian. What a man. Okay, Kariba sunsets. Uh, maybe for some people it is Victoria Falls. So uh, we've got one there. Lovely place to visit. Monopoles for others. Or maybe beyond our borders. It might be a quick shopping trip to Santon. So some people might do that to Joburg. I wouldn't choose that out of preference. But I was at Peter House uh, this past week. And when I said, how many of you have done that this past year? About half of them. Um, so that's Peter House, um, you know, families for you. But that's what they did. Maybe it's a short flight to Cape Town for some sightseeing. So uh, some sightseeing, some restaurants, and those. Anyone done that in the past year? Cape Town, show of hands, don't be shy. A few of you guys. Guys, you must, you must embrace that. I mean, Rich, don't be shy. I mean, you know, you've got to embrace that. So it, it, it could be that vineyard exploring, uh, restaurant enjoyment. I do always wonder. Um, a glass of red wine is always a great thing. Now, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine, right? Now, it wasn't grape juice. Because otherwise, there wouldn't be passages in the Bible saying, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he turned it into real, genuine wine. But I always wonder which vineyard is closest. So one day in heaven, that's what I'm going to say. Jesus, at the wedding, when you made the best wine, which was closest? Which one was closest? So it will be an interesting thing to ask him. So anyway, Cape Town, you might do. Or maybe beach life is your thing. So beach life could be, uh, that's a picture of Mauritius. Some of you might do Mozambique. Uh, Zanzibar, Seychelles might be another one. I think there's a picture of Seychelles over there, uh, the next one. Yeah, Seychelles. So you might like the beach type environment, or some of you might just enjoy getting drenched in sweat in Dubai. And there are some. There was also a huge proportion of Peterhouse children who went to Dubai this past year. Uh, Any who've done Dubai this past year? Show of hands. Any? A few? But you live close by, Steph, all right. Others, exactly, pull that up. Okay, so, and at the back as well, if you've done Dubai, either shopping or just, as I said, you just enjoy the sweaty life. Um, And so you do that as well. I may have left some out, but I have one specific destination that I doubt many of you would have chosen for a holiday destination now or in the past five years or the past 10 years, and that would be Nigeria, particularly northern Nigeria. It's easier to get to than many of the other places. You could fly into Lagos. It's easier to get to. Um, ah, that's still Dubai. You can click to the next one, Killian. Thanks. But uh, yeah, uh, you can actually keep it blank for a bit. I mean, no, that's fine. There we go. Nigeria. Sheesh, I'm even, it feels like I'm in a bit of a club here. It's amazing. <laughs> How are we to know that Lagos hasn't built another Burj Khalifa? It's possible. So that picture could have been right as well. Anyone visited Nigeria on holiday? Past year. Holiday. Anyone? Nobody. The reason why I mention Nigeria is because at present, it's one of the most dangerous places to live, particularly if you would call yourself a Christ follower. And it's just a short flight away from us. It's easy for us to think of America and traveling to England, Dubai, holidays. Uh, it would be pretty easy for us to get to Lagos or to northern Nigeria. And so it's, it's kind of on our doorstep in our continent. Let me give you some uh, stats. You can put that picture up, the, the first one. So here's some stats. 
360 million Christians last year lived in countries where persecution was significant. Roughly 5,900 Christians were murdered. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned without trial. Another 4,000 plus were kidnapped, many of whom we still don't know where they are. In addition, more than 5,000 churches and other religious facilities were destroyed. Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen saw the highest rates of persecution globally. But Nigeria, by far the worst. The violence against Christians has become so frequent and so widespread that on average, every two hours, a Nigerian is murdered for their faith. That's nearly 13 Christians a day, 372 a month, 4,650 a year, out of about 5,900 killed globally for their faith. About 70 to 80% of Christ followers murdered for their faith around the world happens in Nigeria on our doorstep in the African continent. That means almost all Christ followers, um, that, that almost all the Christ followers I said that we're hearing about who are being murdered for their faith is happening just a short flight from us. I'll show you. There's a few pictures there. That's Boko Haram, one of the key militant groups responsible for it. There's obviously uh, military forces present, but a lot of them are bought off and don't really want to get involved in that process. A few pictures of recent violence that we've seen. You can show the next one, Killian. Thanks. Um, so this is a very regular occurrence. There's bombings that happen most weeks, uh, particularly in northern uh, Nigeria. And if you show the next one uh, over there, that's a recent, a very recent church that's been destroyed and burnt. I'll just do one story because we have time. You can click to the next one. Um, that is, it's just good for us to know these sorts of things. So this is a picture of Deborah Samuel, and this is just from a few short months ago. So she was second year economic major um, at a college in Sokoto State, Nigeria. And there was a WhatsApp group that in her class, second year university, they just used to discuss past papers, the, the lecturer was on there, what's coming up, just a way to get uh, examination results and what was coming up there. And a number of the Muslim people on her group started to post um, sort of jihad-type statements. So they started to really drive a Muslim agenda, bringing um, fear to the people there in an extreme manner. And so she sort of did a post to say, listen, actually, we just need to keep uh, school to school and so we don't want to be watching any of this stuff. But if you are really interested, um, I actually believe that the one who helps me in my exams is Jesus Christ, um, not the Prophet Muhammad. And uh, they, they did this. And the, on the back of that, she arrived at school that day, and uh, they tried to take her out. And so the guard from the university quickly took her to the guardhouse. They called a car to collect her. This is just from a WhatsApp chat group with her peers. So 19 years old, peers. Um, but the car and the guards weren't able to overpower the mob of people um, who stoned her to death and burnt her beyond recognition in one day from a WhatsApp chat group happening. Very recent story, and that's the life of being a Christ follower. You can't actually mention that you follow Jesus in many places, and if you do, it's a death sentence on your head in those areas. The last thing that she said to the people that people heard because there was much celebrating and cheering uh, after it happened the people who attacked nothing's happened to them because of the fear but was what do you hope to achieve by this so as a Christ follower, what's your goal in taking me out and murdering me what's your goal and what are you going to achieve in this process so how humbling and challenging to think 
that whilst we're busy worried about the next business deal that's on the go, the cricket bat that we need to buy for our children, a vehicle upgrade because our other ones just got a bit too old, the next holiday to go on, I've been talking about holidays, or whether we'll get the promotion we've been hoping for, that there's many around the world that have a real chance of losing their lives for being known as Christ followers. I just pray, Lord Jesus, save us from focusing on things that don't matter. Save us from ignoring the cost that many are facing for their faith. Show us the role that we can play in partnering with our brothers and sisters of faith around the world who are facing the most difficult situations. Are there good things that Jesus gives us in life that are cause for celebration? Of course they are. He's a good father. He gives us great gifts. We just need to remember that what matters most, more than those things, is following him wholeheartedly. They're the added extras, not the focus. They're the overflow, not the source. When it comes to following Jesus and particularly persecution, Jesus says something really interesting for those who face persecution. A phrasing here, and we've got a few points on this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Interestingly, just before I jump into that, one of the key organizations that we support as Hope Church is Open Doors, which is an organization around the world, but they specifically focus on serving and supporting those in those sorts of situations, like in Nigeria. So it's a privilege to be able to help them um, from here. But I want to just jump into a little bit on this passage to to get some things out of it. Well, what does it mean to be blessed? It says, blessed are those who are persecuted. And this word has been corrupted in our world. I'm too blessed to stress. I get a brand new car and it's hashtag blessed. It's used so flippantly as a term to describe God's favor, particularly when it comes to money and success. And much of this belief set, unfortunately, is shared from church pulpits by people wearing expensive clothes and encouraging lavish lifestyles, all in the name of being blessed. But that's a corruption of what blessed means. And we need to remember that what the society in which we live honors is most often opposite to what Jesus cares about. See, why would we want to focus on ourselves and our possessions when we know the greatness of God? Why would we want any of the spotlight pointing at ourselves in light of the wonder of Jesus? See, the life of a Christ follower is about being a servant. It's about humility. It's about following Jesus and the life he lived. This Greek word is interesting. So the Greek word for blessed is makarios or makarios. Blessed means happy, fortunate, and fully satisfied. And it actually means receiving and experiencing God's favor, his favor towards us, regardless of circumstances, outside of circumstances. It's realizing that our greatest source of life, our greatest source of purpose is not found in a possession, not found in a position, but found in God alone. And so who are these people who become fully satisfied? Well, actually a little bit before in the passage, Matthew 5, it says they're the people who've developed certain characteristics that God loves. The verse speaks of some of these things, those who realize that they need Jesus. See, if we don't think that we need Jesus, we can never have him. Particularly in our northern suburbs, Um, or in wealthy areas across the world where, frankly, we don't have to think about whether we're going to have enough money to buy food, whether we can educate our kids, having a car or not, we have those. For us, it's very difficult to realize our need of Jesus. And so those who receive God's blessing are those who realize their need before him. That's one people group. 
those experiencing pain and hardship, says earlier, Jesus says, blessed are those who are going through difficult times. I'm close to them. The humble. We can never receive God's favor unless we have humility because we don't believe that we need him. Those who pursue Jesus with all their lives, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. The Lord is filled with joy when his people value him above anything else, above everything else in the world. And the blessing Jesus speaks of is far more about what happens internally in our heart than externally. It's purpose over possessions. It's more about what happens in heaven than on earth. It's about eternity rather than the temporary. But some of you might be saying, well, what actually is the definition of persecution? Maybe you're new to church or maybe you've been here a long time, but what, is it, what does it look like and what does it mean to you and I? Because it happens to you and I, but what does it mean for us? Well, persecution is when you're wrongly treated for your faith. It can be verbal or physical. It can be in your face or subtle. It may be ridicule. It could be rejection, but it's a very definite wrongful treatment as a result of what you believe. It's something that we care about deeply here, and as I said, that's why we help beyond our borders. So two quick things about persecution. Persecution is not when people don't like us because we are not nice people. It says when you're persecuted there for righteousness sake, and that means for looking like Christ in the world. You see, it's very possible to be a stuck-up Christ follower who no one wants to be around, not because of Jesus, because of a horrible character. It's possible. So before you say that you're being persecuted by everyone on the back of this message who doesn't want to be your friend, just make sure that you're actually a nice person to be around. First test. Okay, so you can never use that about persecution on the back of this. But secondly, it does come in all shapes and forms. Here are a few examples of how I believe it could come to you and I. Maybe you start to be excluded from coffee shop hangouts or weekend get-togethers because you no longer have the same lifestyle and focus as your friends. Maybe because you start to make lifestyle choices, be it down the lines of alcohol, be it down the lines of language and how you speak, be it down the lines of how you raise children, what you care about, just slowly, bit by bit, you stop getting invited to friendship gatherings because of lifestyle choice. Not because you've changed a person, just because of lifestyle choices as a Christ follower. Maybe it's ridicule or shunning from family or work colleagues because of differing beliefs when it comes to the existence of God, the Christian faith. Or maybe your belief about man and woman being classed as man and woman. Not by choice, but by birth. Maybe if you have those conversations, you're suddenly shunned. That's a form of persecution. Maybe it's uh, that you face some harmless banter about your decision to pursue purity. To not watch porn. To not forward on WhatsApp videos that aren't healthy. To not sleep around with boyfriends or girlfriends. Might be because you make that call to leave a WhatsApp group because of unhealthy content or speak openly about your views on the topic. It's possible. Might be missing out on a business deal because of elements in it that just aren't right. And you know they aren't and you say no to financial reward and no to entering a business de de deal because you just know that Jesus isn't happy. Form of persecution in our world. Maybe from a family member about coming to church here today or about being a Christ follower. A friend of mine had a dad growing up, teenager, who was dead set against them following Jesus and would mock him and would make fun of him. For coming on the camps that I did, for coming to church, constant, constant mocking from your dad. Terrible. Persecution. It happened. Thankfully, he still follows Jesus today. My brother who lives in Sweden, if, you, if it's found out that you follow Jesus, it's very much like a, a mocking. So, 
So my brothers had and others do. If people know that you follow Jesus, it's kind of like a hand on the shoulder saying, it's okay. You come from Africa. One day when you get intellectual enough like us Swedes, then you'll understand that, that faith just doesn't exist and this Christian stuff is rubbish. You'll, you'll become mature enough and clever enough to realize that it's all stupid. But, but it's okay. It's okay. Like, we, we still care about you. So it's in a, in a real mocking sense. Um, I know for me in this country as a pastor, I know um, in those areas of sexuality, in those areas of men being born, born men, ladies being born ladies, I know when I've spoken about that before, um, there's many in the city who, who feel very, very differently. And uh, you're not allowed to have a different belief to them. You're not allowed to. And if you do, um, you, you really are put down. And so you, you face this. You face this in different ways. We live in an upside-down kingdom, but Jesus says when you're persecuted, you are blessed, which means fully satisfied are you when you're persecuted. He says that the outpouring of his blessing of being fully satisfied is stored up for those who have an easy life, no. For those who are successful in worldly terms, no. For those who are persecuted, yes. There is a special place in his heart for those who would make him more valuable than anything else, including their very lives. Special place in his heart. So what are some of the benefits that we gain from experiencing persecution? I'll close on these two benefits. Firstly, a confidence in being a child of God. He says there in that passage, he says, there's is the kingdom of heaven, those who go through difficulty for me. Being persecuted proves in many ways that we're followers of Christ. It shows the reality of what Jesus said would happen. And so whatever form it comes in, a small little shun, a niggle with a family member, business deal that doesn't happen, it shows that we're God's kids. In a way, it seals the fact that we belong to Jesus. It shows that heaven is our true home and not here on earth. And so there's a joy in, from knowing in a deep down way in the hard times of life that will come, there is a cost to following Jesus. You will experience it during your lifetime if you live sold out for Jesus. In those times, there's this deep down joy to say, Lord, that shows me that, that I'm one of your kids. I'm one of your precious kids. That your kingdom is my kingdom. And guess what? His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is actually the all-powerful kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world, but it has dramatic influence in this world. It's the kingdom that we're part of as Christ followers, and it will live forever. And Jesus is talking from experience when he says that, bless you who are persecuted, because he faced it and more. So one of the benefits of persecution, it shows us that we're God's kids. It proves to us that we live in a world that believes differently to the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, reward for all eternity says there, rejoice. So as we read um, that short little passage uh, over there, Matthew 5, it says, blessed are people when they insult you. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, when it says that rejoice, it's not like rejoice, like, oh yeah, I just love getting mocked. It's amazing. Or wow, it's just incredible having no friends because of my faith. I just, it's just wonderful. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, having my business friends laugh at me for decisions I've made for purity. It's just, it's just glorious. I love it. I love it. I just take it and I enjoy it. No, that's not what it's talking about. That word rejoice is seeing difficulty in light of eternity. It's realizing that pain now does not compare to the life that's to come. It's seeing that there is eternal reward available to us. I want us to think a bit about eternal reward in heaven compared to here. What would you logically choose if you could have reward that lasted forever 
compared to reward that fades. The logical choice is forever. What about success and honor that lasts a few short years on earth compared to forever? What makes sense to live for? Of course, the latter. But we live in a world that is fixated, and sadly, often in church circles too, on earthly success. Fixated on earthly possessions and clouding it in spirituality. Don't allow your focus to move to earthly things. Don't let distractions creep in. Heaven is real. And when Jesus promises to reward us for living for him for all eternity, he means it. And it's better than any reward you and I can experience on earth. So as we close, why is it so vital? There's great reward. It's going to happen. Why is it vital that people see Jesus in us, particularly when we go through hard times? Jesus closes off with the end of it in this passage. And this is what he says. He says, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But but on a stand, it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says that you and I as Christ followers, we're salt. That means that we're supposed to bring flavor to the world. We're supposed to bring God's culture and way of life to the world. We have to be doing that. We'll do that if we live the right way in tough times. He's to build our lives in such a way that people look in and go, there's something different about that person. There's something different about the city of their life and the king of the city that's their heart. He says, you're the light in a dark world. You are what those who have, not, uh, who have not yet met me, Jesus says, who they need to see in order to show them the way, in order for them to see me. And so he says, shine, be different, point people the right way, something attractive. If you're in the darkness, there's something attractive about light. Be the person who is attractive to others by the way you live. And this is more clear, uh, clearly seen under pressure, under trial. The way in which we live as Christ followers is essential for God's kingdom advance. Can we do this in our own strength? No. We can only do this because there's one who had a cross laid on his back. There's one who walked a life of pain and suffering so that we could be set free for all eternity. And so it's turning once again to Christ, to him being our source. It's about being fully satisfied in him and nothing else. The rest is just overflow. The rest is blessing on top, but being fully satisfied in him is the goal. It's about drawing from the true source. And as a result, he gives you and I everything that we need. The cost is worth it. It is eternally worth it. Should we stand as we pray? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you call us to be radical, sold-out disciples of you. You call us to die to our old way of life and live in a new relationship with you. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus today, there's nothing special that you have to say. Jesus said to some people, repent and believe. Other pastors say, call on the name of the Lord. It's about giving ownership and rulership of your life to Jesus. It's about recognizing that you can't do it on your own. You can't reach perfection in your own strength. But right now, just where you are, you can you could say, Jesus, I recognize that I need you. Would you come in and change me? And he'll do that. He'll do that in an instant. And then I'd love to chat to you afterwards. And so... If that's you, make make that decision today. Don't leave here without making a decision and saying, Jesus, I need you. Would you change me? Would you give me a new life and a purpose now and for all eternity? And he'll do it in an instant. For those of us who are Christ followers here today, Lord Jesus, 
I pray that we would live radically sold out for you. I pray it would be so evident. I pray that we would be salt that brings flavor to culture. I pray that we would be cities of strength and refuge, that people come to us in difficulty because they see the way we handle it as different and they see hope that they can't access anywhere else. I pray that we would be a light that shows the way to purpose, to fulfillment, to eternal hope. I pray that we would look different, that we would swim against the current, that we would be bold, that we'd be, we'd be courageous, we would be loving in the face of persecution. I pray we would remember brothers and sisters who right now this very moment are living with the very real potential of losing their lives for their faith. Father, would you strengthen them? Would you bring them courage? Would we support as much as we can from a nation where it is absolutely free to worship you? Would we never forget what brothers and sisters across the world are going for? And if we go through persecution here, pray that we would reach out to friends and say, hey, could you help me? Would you reach out to a church? Would you, would you help me on this journey? Thank you that you are close. Thank you that your heart is so close and soft towards those who are hurting for the sake of faith. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if, are, are Zane and Becky here? Are Zane and Becky here? Hands, if you are, they're there hiding. So just raise your hands quickly, just quickly while we're standing. Zane and Bex, Zane and Bex have been out here for a bit. They are sold out for Jesus. They are heading to UK tomorrow. Um, Zane uh, is a missionary, to be honest, but you're both missionaries going to England, which is a place that desperately needs Jesus. And so I just want to pray for you guys very quickly that um, God sends you out, that um, he uses you in a powerful way, and that England, Cheltenham, where you're going to be based, will never be the same as a result of you guys being there. So you guys can agree, put out your hands. Guys around, you can quickly turn around if you want to. Um, Bex and um, Zane, they're not blessed with height like me. So if you couldn't see them when they put up their hands, that's okay. Let's just pray that the Lord sends you guys out. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for Zane and Becky. Thank you for them being here and being such a support to family, such a support to friends as they head on this uh, new adventure in you. We've led them to the UK, but with a heart for the nations, with a heart to visit and support some of the, the most difficult places in the world and to, to see your gospel and your kingdom come. Thank you that they love people. Thank you that they love you. I pray that you would use them astoundingly. Bring amazing people across their paths. Open up wonderful doors for your kingdom advance. Use them as a couple. Uh, may they breathe, be the fragrance of you, the fragrance of Christ everywhere they go. May they bring salt. May they bring light. And would you use them in a powerful, powerful way. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Not at all. Thanks so much for being here on half term. There is obviously, if you're here and visiting, if you want to take a next step, if you want to start serving, giving notices like Colin, or um, uh, helping on sound, please chat at the back. Otherwise, there's tea, there's coffee, meet someone you don't know, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for being with us.